Welcome to Spirit Matters. This is Phil Goldberg on behalf of me and my co-host, Dennis Ramundi. We're on hiatus now in uh, the summer of 2022. So we're posting some interviews I recorded with leading spiritual teachers last year. They were part of a special series on Unity Online Radio under the title of my book, Spiritual Practice for Crazy Times. I'm sure you'll find them illuminating and inspiring. Enjoy. Practical Spirituality Positive Messages This is Unity Online Radio The Voice of an Awakening World You can have inner peace and clarity even in the midst of chaos. Welcome to Spiritual Practice for Crazy Times with Phil Goldberg. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to this special series of programs, which just happens to have the same title as my latest book. Our goal is to bring you expert advice and guidance for remaining spiritually secure and strong and able to find joy and purpose and other of life's blessings, even in the most challenging times. Not just this uh, unprecedented pandemic we're all going through together, but any time you're struck by the trials and tribulations of life in our crazy world. Uh, I've lined up a stellar group of guests for the series, all wise, compassionate, experienced spiritual teachers from a wide range of traditions and paths. I encourage you to listen closely, pay attention to them, and write down the ideas that resonate the most with you. There'll be many of them, so you'll be able to develop a repertoire or an inventory of practices to draw from at different times in your life when you need a spiritual boost and a way to reconnect with our divine source. Because we all have within us a sanctuary of peace and a fortress of strength. Not something we have to find or build, it's already present at the core of our being. It's our truest, deepest, and highest self. It's our essence. It's what we are. And all the methods from all the spiritual traditions have the primary purpose of reuniting us with that source or awakening us to what we truly are. And the more we connect with that infinite reality within us, the better equipped we are to face our challenges with dignity and take action to make the world a little less crazy. That said, let me introduce today's guest. I'm very happy to have with us Barbara DeAngelis. For more than 45 years now, which is almost as long as I've known her, uh, Barbara's been one of the most influential teachers of personal and spiritual development in the country. Her 16 books, 
the most recent of which is the choice for love, entering into a new enlightened relationship with yourself, others, and the world, have sold more than 10 million copies in 25 languages. She's appeared on all the major talk shows, including Oprah, The View, and most impressive of all, my podcast, Spirit Matters. And now she's here with us to give us some good advice and inspiration. Barbara, welcome. I'm so happy to just hear you with your beautiful introduction and offering you great blessings for this wonderful venture and sending my love to all of your listeners. I always feel so honored to be in the presence of uh, people who are awake in the world and it's a sanctuary to be with like-minded seekers. So I'm thrilled to be with you, such a like-minded seeker I've known forever and to everyone who's listening and um, just know that if we didn't have our audiences of people listening, we would, Phil and I would be very lonely seekers <laughs> wondering who we're, who we're supposed to be talking to. So <laughs> I'm thrilled to be here, sweetheart. Great. Um, so let's start with a personal note. We're recording this on April 1st of 2021. Uh We've been in the midst of this pandemic for more than a year now. And I'm curious about how you, as a spiritual teacher, as a giver of advice, as a counselor to others, how you have adapted to life in the pandemic and, and whether uh, any of it surprised you, any of your own reactions. And have you learned anything particularly uh, mind-blowing? Well, it's April 1st, so didn't you get the message that it was all a joke? <laughs> it's all a joke. Um, <laughs> um, thank you. It's a, it's a really great question. Um, I've always believed that as uh, members of the class of Earth School, that we're here on a journey of remembrance and awakening and learning that everything is purposeful, that our job as seekers is to um, find, dig for that purpose, to recognize it, to go through the doorways or gateways of experiences, both difficult and joyful, and to use everything we can to rise up and to become a more conscious, loving human being, assuming that there is a higher order that has designed the classes that we're in. And that's how I've lived as far as long as you've known me, which is since I was probably about 19 years old. And now I'm 70. <laughs> so that's a long time. Thanks for the reminder. And, uh, and uh, you're welcome. And <laughs> When the pandemic happened, um, even as I thought about to happen, the, the very first thing as a teacher that I felt rise up in me was the thing that is always leading me, which is how can I serve my students? How can I serve anybody who has been listening to me or following me? 
what am I supposed to be doing now? Um, because, you know, whether you're, you know, whether it's through your books, as you know, writing, speaking, your lectures, <clears throat> my lectures, um, we're, we're trying to offer people roads and pathways to clear the debris, to go faster, smoother, as you said, to stay safer um, on this life journey. And so I instantly um, did what I always do, which is thought, how can I bring the most love to this situation? And um, one of the first things I did was I started to have something called the sanctuary, which was a call every single day um, for about two months with um, all of my students' followers just every day and did these meditations, et cetera, um, and began really looking at what was, what was really happening. In other words, if we believe things are purposeful, even things that are difficult, I thought, so what's the purpose, aside from the fact that this is annoying and frightening and everything, what are we all being put through? And the truth is that I think it, was, it is, um, from my highest understanding, a, a huge enforced um, seminar of you know, solitary contemplation and a forced uh, look into the mirror for people into things that normally were too distracted or busy to do. Now, for me, you know, I didn't need the time to do that. That's how I live. But for a lot of people, they probably had more time to think, feel, look at their issues, face, you know, their addictions, their, their obsessions, feel their own thoughts, notice their own inability to be intimate with you. You know, it, it really, from that point of view, was and has been and still is an amazing opportunity and uh, not one that we would have believed we chose, but it's a, a worldwide experience, not just on the outside, but the inside. Um, I remember at the time I looked up the, the word pandemic. I love etymology. And um, we think of it as, you know, some horrible, disgusting thing. But the truth is it, it comes from the Greek and um, pandemos, and it means pertain belonging to all people, pertaining to all people. Hmm. And so all people, I mean, and I'm, I can't really think of anything. World War II didn't really affect everybody in this way. All people on this planet um, – have had to go through the same thing at the same time. And that is really significant. So my highest, from the highest, and I'll, I'll go down to the human, from my highest, I thought this, this is, you know, a spiritual curriculum of a very intense sort. And I need to bring everything I know to it, more love, more consciousness, all my abilities to, you know, deal with feelings, just everything, clarity, being in the real, not having magical thinking. I know I've told you, I literally um, accept to go get my second, my first two vaccines. Um, haven't for a year left the house and put my feet on the ground anywhere um, except in my car um, for over a year now. And that's because I very much have been in the real and I don't like to test fate and I value, you know, my existence on the planet and people who count on me. So um, 
those choices that people often make every day, what's safe, what's not safe, should I do this, it probably won't happen. Not thinking clearly. Do I have enough supplies? All of these things really reflect all of our consciousness in every minute. So it intensified every minute of life on one level. You know, when do you watch everything you touch? When do you think, who am I standing near? So I do believe that ultimately it's designed for a massive up-leveling of something, you know, that's possible. And that, that helped me um, say, how do I become a student of this? On a personal level, um, going to the very opposite end of it, um, I learned um, how much I am happy I did not become a full-time housekeeper in my life because I have <laughs> been one for the last. I have been one for the last year. I have a large house that I finally, you know, got a few years ago, and so the real is. Uh, because of the same reasons I told you, which is I've been totally isolated here except for my partner. Um, I am now a really good hairdresser, um, pretty good house cleaner, gardener. I mean, I could list all kinds of things, and that takes a lot of time. And I've been doing that with a lot of devotion, and it's been hard on my body, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's creating new balance, and it's also creating new realistic expectations and trying to not, and this is for anything, whether it's a pandemic, whether it's anything happening to you, trying to not feel victimized by circumstances and, you know, saying, how do I rise up? How, what, what is going to become stronger in me? I don't care if it's something bad happens at work, your partner's in a bad mood when your kids is driving you crazy or any circumstance. We really have to, deal with every circumstance with as much consciousness and pull on our highest. And I do think for many people, it, it forced them into more love or forced them into saying, why am I wasting time on things that are just ridiculous? You know, or why do I waste time, you know, being in a bad mood or being shut down when every minute of life is precious and, and it could be gone. So the, the forced, um, the forcing of death in our face, I do not think was a bad thing. And God bless everybody who was part of that sacrifice. I don't think it was a bad thing for people to just smack them. And I always, you know, I used to joke in the beginning that, um, you know, the God spirit, whatever we believe in was like, okay, we've tried this. We've tried that. They're not getting it. Okay. Pandemic, you know, and maybe because now they'll finally get, what it means to, you know, treasure life. So that's a big array of all of my feelings from it. And, um, and I am, um, and I'm still in that process because I still, um, I still see us in the midst of things. So I well, it sounds what you wanted. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Um, it sounds like you have some backup positions now in case this whole teaching and uh, public <laughs> I think doesn't so. work I, I'm really 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 good at what I do and I'm really but um hairdressing is you know, not the backup plan. but even that but you know what even even those things I mean I got I got um I had experiences of ecstasy cleaning at different times because the, our, I believe everything's an extension of our consciousness. My home is an extension of 
my consciousness and how you've been here. So, you know, how it looks and it's kind of like a temple and that my honoring it is, um, is doing seva, really. Seva meaning selfless service, you know, Sanskrit word. And I've done seva at ashrams over the years when I've been there with different teachers, you know, from simple things, you know, washing fruit. And the, so to me, I was doing seva for myself. And, Sounds great. Um, for the, for the Shakti. So, um, yes. And I will be very happy when I don't have to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Uh, over the years, you, you've had many, many people come to you for uh, help and guidance during difficult times in their lives. And this year was probably no different. But how was it different? What, what were the common issues that have come up and, and what's the most important thing you have uh, found yourself conveying to people who turn to you? That's a great question. Um, I think different people with different types of patterns and different types of dynamics, psychological dynamics, and we all have our, I call it our cosmic curriculum, things we're dealing with. Independent um, that, study. Yes. So, but everyone has their own curriculum, which you can probably figure out pretty quickly if you, and I've done classes on this where you can just look at the events of your life and look at your emotions and you, you can see your cosmic curriculum, just the mm. courses, you know, um, you know, betray, you know, betrayal and disappointment 101, you know, for instance, you know, so, right. Um, right. so I think for people, for instance, the category, maybe some of you, are, um, People who have um, who proceed in life with the attempt to try to control things a lot, to uh, feel kind of in mastery by feeling that they're dominating the situation, that um, they have things all in place, um, that use that to try to stay steady, meaning outer control, which of course we know is like God laughs, you know. Those people, um, you know, really went into a lot of shock because um, there's, there's no control. And, of course, the truth is we're really never totally in control. And it's an illusion. It's, it's Maya, you know, illusion and delusion that um, if we do everything right, for instance, that everything will go right. If we are completely, you know, in integrity with everyone, they will all be in integrity with us. That's not the real of the world. So for people and any of you who, you know, felt like I got everything together and I'm doing this and I have my house now and my kids, the feeling of somebody taking everything and just throwing it up in the air um, really creates tremendous unsettledness. That's why so many people got so many psychosomatic diseases um, and things like that. And, of course, unless you're aware that's what's happening, instead you think, my partner's driving me crazy, I can't stand this, how come the Uber is late, you know, or whatever it is. And the truth is, um, it's reminding us of how fragile things are. So that's one issue. I think for a lot of people, um, spending that much time with themselves without distraction, um, because we distract ourselves so much with our schedule, with busyness, with helping everybody, with rescuing people, with getting involved in other people's drama, blah, blah, blah. So to not be able to do and to have to be, I think for a lot of people was very challenging, but I also think that it opened up for people 
the opportunity to say, okay, um, you know, I've always said I want more time to read or to study or to be. And so, you know, you and I um, chose and probably worked to save up our money when we were 19, 20, 21 to go on six-month, one-year courses of long, long, long retreat, meditation, um, isolation from the world. We both did that when we were becoming meditation teachers. Um, so I, I like doing that. But for a lot of people, they think of that as prison, you know. Yeah. So I think that it, it invited people already on a spiritual path to go deeper, which is a beautiful thing. And in a sense, have so much more time um, without extra stimulation. And I think for people who weren't that way, it opened up that possibility. That's, that's the best case scenario, and I think that's you know, another issue. And I also think for a lot of people, it, it, threw, into, it threw them into what is life about, what does it mean, what's going to happen. I thought, you know, I was going to do this this year. And so it's that unsettledness that um, forces us to find inner steadiness even if it's difficult and it may take, you know, a while to do that. that that's, and, that's what I think, you know, and I'm talking about the inner issues, not people saying, you know, my husband's driving me crazy and he's at home all the time now and all he does is watch sports. But those are never the issues. The issues are always the things that I'm talking about. Now, since you brought that up, um, you have uh, been known for a long time as a, an expert on uh, relationships and love. Your earliest books and seminars were about that. It would seem to me that in difficult times, any difficult time, when uh, uh, someone loses a job, when there's uh, death, uh, all the kinds of things that are, have become even more common during the pandemic, e economic insecurity and so forth, uh, it, those are challenging to relationships. And I would guess that um, relationships have Absolutely. been challenged in this last Absolutely. year. What have you Absolutely. noticed? Are families getting closer because of the pandemic? Are are there more uh, difficulties? And and uh, what have you? How have you been able to help people with these things? Well, again, um, you know, it's kind of like um, if if you had let's say a few kids and a partner, maybe they were older kids or younger kids. And you said, we have all these disagreements. And if you went to a therapist and they said, well, we're, we thought that it would be good for you for a few months to not go anywhere and just be in a house together. Um, <laughs> and people would say, well, that's not going to happen. You know? And yet that is what happened. And um, I think for many couples, for instance, um, I always use the word opportunity. It was an opportunity um, to remember why they're together, to reconnect to actually feel that kind of invisible intimacy of the heart that has nothing to do with where you're going and what you're doing and what's happening with children, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and for some people it has been um, not good because they've been distracting themselves from the issues and they're facing them, or maybe they're in a situation with somebody that they, um, have loved for but haven't liked in a long time. And so I think that um, I do believe that you're going to see um, 
after a certain period of time when things really open up, I think there's going to be um, an increase in, in divorce rate. Um, I think for people with, um, and, and for a lot of couples, it's been a blessing, you know, if they pulled together. It's kind of like, um, you know, in any situation, you know, you can look at World War II, any, anything where people are facing a common enemy, even though this has been a little different, um, it can bring out the best in people. It certainly has brought out the best in our, for instance, in our country and lots of people and the worst in people. So I think it's the same individually. And I, I have to say, I really feel for people who've had their, you know, been in the house with their children, um, especially younger children all this time. It's really difficult. And um, I, I do believe, and I just read an article on, um, the kind of global PTSD that people are going to have. And I think that um, we're going to start seeing signs of that, which is the feeling of living in fear every day, for instance, the feeling of um, not having any respite from your, you know, the people you love, the feeling of wondering what's going to happen, having to watch everything you do, touch, et cetera. That kind of stress, on an everyday basis is something that people might experience during war. Um, but, you know, not in our lifetime have we had that. And because of that, um, I do think it's so important for people to notice the signs that they're not just antsy, they want it to be over, but really understand and have compassion for themselves for the toll that this has taken, is still taking. And the loss of time uh, the loss of freedom. So I think that, you know, I always invite people to, to do both, be hopeful, look at the lessons, but give themselves permission to mourn because mm-hmm. there's been a lot that, a lot of grief that's there and compassion for yourself and, you know, giving yourself a chance to, to feel that, you know, I have felt um, much more sadness this year and, and not just sadness, but a sense of mortality. Um, you know, we all know people probably who, you know, had passed. Some people have people who passed they couldn't uh, say goodbye to. You know, my, you know, mother-in-law, you know, died. We couldn't even see her, say goodbye to her. Um, my brother had a heart attack um, recently. Mm. Um, um, and he had had COVID. And, you know, it's pretty kind of clear that that's what it was from. So we all have things we've missed, things that haven't happened, things that have happened. And, you know, my advice to everybody is to give yourself permission to lovingly and compassionately feel it all and not try to have a positive attitude. Just have an authentic attitude. Let's, uh, that's a good time to pause for a minute. We have to take a short break. And we will be right back with Barbara DeAngelis. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. 
Welcome back to Spiritual Practice for Crazy Times with your host, Phil Goldberg. We're back with Barbara DeAngelis. You were just saying, Barbara, the, uh, uh, that it's important to uh, face difficult situations realistically. Uh, and you were focused uh, especially on um, feelings people would be having now of grief and uh, and sadness, because there is a lot of sadness in the world. And it, it, even those of us uh, like me, who have been relatively untouched, I, I don't know anybody who's had COVID in a serious uh, way. Um, their sadness just thinking about the suffering out there and the loss out there. Um, now, there are spiritual teachings that would have you look at everything in a positive way and um, uh, say it's it, it's God's will or it's it's what the universe wants right now and these people who you know whatever the the orientation is. What are the dangers in that, and how do you balance being positive and at the same time acknowledging the realities of of human life and um, uh, of loss and uh, suffering? This is an important question. It's something that I have um, delved deeply into, talked about, written about, um, having started my own spiritual path, as you did, um, with a you know total focus on spiritual practice that was supposed to kind of fix everything, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I remember looking at the calendar and thinking it's been three years and aren't I supposed to be enlightened because, you know, a few <laughs> years, that's what they said, three to five. And, um, and why are things happening still to me that aren't pleasant? Why, you know, and so they're just like all wisdom. Um, we all went through nursery school, kindergarten, and then higher education. And there's lots of levels of understanding, I believe, about life and good and bad. And they, those, those teachings, um, I believe, are appropriate at different times for different stages in our growth. Um, you don't want to tell your five-year-olds about the nuances of life and death and everything else. You want to say, we're all here and God loves us. You know. But as we get older, we need more, ref- I believe, more refined understanding. And older meaning spiritually older more refined understanding for the nuances of life because um, it is complex. You know, I, I came up with a phrase um, actually just recently. I was talking about this and about, um, you know, being a loving, conscious, spiritual person, learning everything, and then our interface with the things in life that are uh, not refined, that are rough, that are crude, um, you know, you know, people, um, situations, karma, et cetera. And um, I found myself telling somebody who was talking about all this um, saying, but it shouldn't bother me and I should see it all in spirit. And I said, no, I said, being, you know, a seeker, being on a path of enlightenment means learning how to gracefully deal with the ungraceful. And I heard myself say it and I thought, well, that's something that I need to unpack because there's a lot that's ungraceful in the world. 
instead of saying good and bad, um, things that are not refined, things that are not of the highest, things that um, are rough, and we, can, we see them every day. And we feel them in ourselves as well, and even in people we love. But they're, they're just, you know, I call them bends in the light. It doesn't mean that the essence of that isn't spirit and, and you know, divine consciousness and everything else that we each per, you know, per individually believe in. But it means that it's not in its pristine form, right? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. it, it's covered over with mud. And the world is muddy. You can't walk through the mud and not get uh, dirty. It doesn't mean you are dirty, but it means that the mud has gotten on you. You can wash it off. But you can't walk through the mud and say, it's not mud, it's a field of beautiful flowers, because then you're not in the real. And the real isn't bad or good. It's just the conditions, the, real, the conditions that we're in. So to me, um, one of the most important things for spiritual seekers, and I've talked about this you know, at so many um, you know, churches and New Thought you know, churches and in my books and everything else, um, and I write a lot about it in The Choice for Love, is um, being able to, you know, authentically, you know, feel the, the, your heartbreak for the world and your heartbreak for the limitation and to bring love to it as opposed to pretend it's not there. I feel the responsibility of anyone who's awakening, and that's all of you listening, all of you listening, no matter how much you think you're going through something now or you blew something yesterday or you're having problems with something, just know you are a million light years ahead of 99.999% of the people on the planet who will never even ask themselves a question like, who am I? How can I be better? That is the truth. So you're in a very, very rarefied group if you're listening to Phil's program right now. And we have to remember that. It doesn't mean we're not in our own classes, but we're not in the same class as most people are in. And I believe that part of the advanced consciousness class is to have what I call courageous compassion, you know, which is to really feel um, the, the real of what's happening and allow ourselves to bring love to it, to bring our, our biggest heart to it. Um, I think that compassion for limitation, ignorance, is a very high spiritual practice and that when you can feel your own heart, you can feel everyone's heart. And as you feel everyone, I do believe that bringing our highest vibration to things does shift them, change them. It adds something to the vibrational vortex of the planet. But, um, you know, it's very simplistic to say it's all perfect and everything else. It's, it's not perfect in the form that it's in. But and that saying it's all perfect excuses us, doesn't it, Phil, from a certain yes. kind of responsibility, you know? That, and that, I'm saying it's not. It need it needs to be elevated. How can I bring elevation to things without judging it? But to say it's all perfect, whatever's happening, I'm not. It's not nothing to do with me. I'm just going to go sit somewhere. Um, I feel that's spiritual irresponsibility, to be blunt. I this notion that the universe is perfect. Uh, it's a nuance. It's more nuanced, I think, than people make it out to be. It's I very always, nuanced. I always think of a the uh, story about a Zen master who was berating his uh, students for uh, 
misbehavior or you know just not rising to an occasion and they said but master you always you say we're perfect and everything's perfect as it is and he said yes you're perfect be more perfect exactly i love it <laughs> and that's exactly right you know the you know the raw material of who we are is uh you know my belief is you know from source it's divine it's miraculous how am i even talking now how do i know i'm me how is my brain working? How are we doing what we're doing? Who invented technology? It's, it's, it's obviously, you know, divinely sourced. But like anything else, you know, you can have the most beautiful raw material and it can be fashioned into the most gorgeous thing or the most unpleasant thing. You know, it can be fashioned into a, a spike that kills somebody or, you know, something that creates a building. So the form of things um, is, needs to be continually perfected and that i think is true for us and um and i'm not judging anybody who thinks everything's fine and there's nothing to do but i um you know i've had people over the years i've had students over the years who had been doing deep work with me and on my weekly wisdom calls and all, all the things that i do looking at themselves looking at patterns unraveling things you know using higher techniques and all that and then i've had people who start to do that and they say you know um I'm, you know, if everything is source, I'm already enlightened. So there's nothing for me to do or improve. Right. Even if my wife is telling me that I'm driving her crazy and that, you know, <laughs> my, my people, I keep getting fired, but it's all perfect. It's all perfect. Right. And to me, you know, to me, um, that's a spiritual kindergarten approach. And, um, and it's easy for us to say that, you know, growing up spiritually is hard. Yeah. Um, so I always we're all say here working that, on a spiritual PhD, and it's hard. I always say that uh, the, it's all perfect, and part of the perfection is that we're called upon to do Absolutely. things to make it better. Um, we, Absolutely. You, you've, you've spoken about uh, using difficult times to learn lessons for your growth and your spiritual development. I think that's uh, an important teaching, and it's inherent in, in most of the, the world's traditions. How do you advise people about learning the right lessons? Because you've probably seen, as I have, many people saying, oh, I know why this is happening to me, and now I've learned this. And it turns out that what they think the lesson is is a kind of uh, self-serving or erroneous choice or a, a way of avoiding right. real lesson. How do you discern the right lesson? <laughs> Great question. Um, this I could talk about this for 10 years. Um, <laughs> well, we so have 10 one of the, I'll tell you what, one of the biggest, biggest spiritual attainments and, and contemplations I offer for everyone to have. Learning to discern the difference between the ego and the higher self. This is enormous. It's everything. Because our ego, which has patterns and it has um, investments in certain things and it creates dynamics to try to protect us or heal things in strange ways, learning about that, it, it would be like having a partner and you don't, don't know what they're doing all the time. Um, and they don't have your best interest in heart, but they think they do. That's the ego. And our the spiritual ego, and I call it that, um, especially for seekers, can be really tricky. 
it can convince you, like you said, you've learned a lesson um, and that actually can use something that's supposed to humble you to make you more arrogant, right, or self-righteous. Mm-hmm. It can convince you that you've seen something um, and that you have compassion for someone because you decided what a mess they are instead of that you're supposed to see a mirror for yourself. This is a huge area that I teach a lot in my classes. And so the first thing is to really, you know, just say, you know, just to say when I'm in my highest, what does that feel like? What are the qualities? You know, and it's usually um, not, not any judgment. It's a feeling of compassion for others and yourself. It's a feeling of seeing things with nuance, not good or bad, blah, 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 blah. You know, and what do I, what, what's, what's my, you know, ego feel like? And knowing the difference, to know the difference of the vibration even. And, um, you know, the ego is very compulsive. You know, it wants to do this and fix this and I need to be right. And I'm talking about the subtler levels of it for all of you, not the obvious guy out there who's hitting people over the head with sticks. So that's the first thing, because otherwise um, we'll rush through lessons. And that's the other thing is a lesson isn't the same as Googling, you know, what (laughs) did I do wrong? And you get it 20 replies and you go, "I, I see it, got it. Or Siri, you know. What's the lesson? And it says, your lesson is to love yourself. Thank you. That's wonderful. That's not how things are. Lessons make up a path that creates contemplation. It creates revelations. And those weave themselves into wisdom. And that takes time. So it's not, if, if you think you learned a lesson in an hour thinking about something, what you have is a doorway. Maybe you found the door. Maybe you got a key. That's fantastic. Then you need to go through it. Because the first, what you think you're supposed to learn first, I'm telling you, that's step one. And then past that is going to be a new understanding and a new understanding. And that's what's exciting about it. So, and yes, the, the ego's nature is we want to get it. We don't want to feel like we don't know what we're doing. We don't want to feel bad about ourselves. So quick, I got it. I see it. Get it. Thank you. Stop, stop reminding me of it. Um, that's a good sign that you haven't learned a lesson. So that's just a little bit. There's so much I could, you know, say okay. about that. But um, you, you get that, I think. And they can find out more from you on your web- website and your books. Now, let's let's segue to uh, what's probably your favorite topic, if, if not, or at least one of them, love. Um, most people, when we think about love, we think of, romance and love songs and or maybe the the bonds of love that we have with the the special people in our lives our close friends our family and so forth your recent book the choice for love uh begins with uh or right there on the flap copy is um taking it deeper and bigger and you say that love quote isn't simply an emotion a behavior or even the bond you feel with another person. So the question then is, what is it? What is love? Tell us, Barbara, what's love? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Krishna, no. Um, (laughs) Love love isn't an emotion. Um, it's, It's a field. I think it's, I believe, I know, it's a supercharged, light drenched, limitless vibrational field of energy. It's the source energy. It's the essential vibration. And that 
field, from that field, you know, so many things rise up. So you can imagine that when you're um, feeling love, you know, you say, oh, I met somebody and I, I feel so much love for them or I fell in love. What's actually happening? And you can imagine that, you know, love is like the water of life. It's the source within you. It's like a reservoir. Um, your heart is like a reservoir for that life force, that love energy. And when you are having a relationship with somebody, you're accessing your own source of love that's in you. No one puts love in you. No one can take love out of you. You can't lose it. It doesn't come from the outside of your life and it comes from the inside out. So when you say, but what am I feeling when I feel in love? Imagine you have this big ocean inside of you. Somebody comes along, let's say your mate, um, your child, they do or say something that's delightful, sweet, kind, okay? Imagine that what they did is like the wind, okay? It's like the wind that stirs up the ocean of energy inside of you to rise up in waves. And if it's a strong wind, you feel your own love rising up in these delightful waves inside. And that's what we, when we say, we're, I'm in love, you, you are in love, but it doesn't always rise up. We, we tell ourselves, oh, that person, he's so wonderful, and I just feel all this love rising up. Well, what if that same person suddenly becomes not wonderful? Then you go, I hate him. Um, I can't stand him anymore. Where did the love go? Did he take it with him? Did, <laughs> did it siphon out? No. It, it, it stopped rising up in that direction. And so I always say, when we feel love, we're not falling in love. We're rising in love, and it's always our own love. Then that brings up, and I talk about this in the Choice for Love, and by the way, I'm sending people some free chapters of it, which we'll talk about. Um, then you know, the question is, why don't I feel it all the time? And that's because our pipes get frozen, <laughs> and we, we literally have put walls of protection, unplugged circuits, so that we, in a sense, have a lot of old frozen feelings, and the flow isn't there. And the great news is you don't need a partner to, you know, feel your own love. Um, you don't need to have things perfect. You just need to learn how to, in a sense, melt, you know, the ice and be able to learn how to access your own, that energy. And I do believe, you know, that love is a choice we make from moment to moment. We make a choice, not behavior, to find that energy and then how to do that is everything I teach people. So I hope that answers your question. Yes, but I want to get I want to dig in a little bit to this notion that love is a choice. Um, when people hear the word choice, they think of uh, something on a very conscious level. I'm, I'm choosing uh, you know this uh, laundry detergent <laughs> over that one or I'm choosing to watch this movie tonight instead of that one. The choice for love, as, as your title suggests, is that on that level or is it something uh, different? Um, it, you're talking about two different things. One is you're talking about behavior, right? Mm. Choice as behavior. So um, we think, okay, some people think, oh, does this mean my partner's annoying me and I feel like saying something snappy to him? or sarcastic, or just walking in the other room and not saying anything. Is that what you mean? So I should stay in the room? That's the choice for love? And I'm saying, <laughs> no, it's something more than that. Because in, in that same moment, 
just let's all take an example of somebody who, you know, annoys you or somebody who you care about a lot, but you don't always feel it in the same way. What if in 10 minutes you had the terrible news that something had happened to that person? What if right in front of you, God forbid, that person was dying? Would you have to choose how you were going to behave if you were going to feel the love or not? No. Why? Because it's there anyway. It's in there. It's in you. We just uh, decide, as I said, that there's a lot of barriers to how it flows out. So we have rules. I'll feel my full love if you're also treating me well. I'll feel my full love if I'm also in a good mood. We have an unbelievable amount of invisible secret rule books that we don't realize, and we have our pattern. But it's there. You can access it in a second. So beginning to understand that in each moment you're choosing to access a different part of you. It doesn't mean you would feel it fully particularly, but it means that we are always choosing to access the highest, and it's in there in all of you. You've all had experiences of your highest. If you, you, know, if you can have it once, it means it's there. And we've all had experiences of our not highest. The question is, if you can have both, why aren't you in your highest all the time? That comes down to consciousness and choice and access and learning how to plug those circuits in. So no, it doesn't mean just being nicer to people at all. It means accessing the full reservoir of your own love for yourself, for others. And it, um, it's something you can do. In the, I have techniques in the Choice for Love literally in three minutes. You can feel your own love rising up and, um, because it's there. <laughs> you see, it, you don't have to get anything. There's nothing missing. You just need to learn how to reconnect with it. And, and it, you can. In uh, the book, uh, I'm always intrigued by reading a uh, table of contents and chapter titles that uh, jump out at me. One of your chapter titles is called Necessary Relinquishments. Oh, my God. We need another program for that. Yeah. <laughs> well, we have Necessary three Necessary relinquishments is a really important, uh, again, I remember I talked about for spiritual seekers, what are the, the things that they need to um, need to remember and everything else. And one of the most important things for anybody who's a human being is to understand what it means to um, have um, necessary relinquishments in life. Um, it, Sometimes our growth is not about what we need to get, but what we need to let go of. Remember I said, if, if nothing's missing, if we have this divine consciousness, why aren't we feeling it? Because of other things we're holding on to. And that means ways of thinking, ego patterns, a limiting belief, an old story. And I tell the great story about the monkey and the banana getting his hand stuck in the jar because um, the truth is the things we need to let go of many times are what are not serving us. And they're like sunglasses that are blinding us and not allowing us to see everything clearly. So instead of thinking, you know, what do I need to get? What do I need to let go of is so important. Unlearning things, unlearning patterns, unlearning behaviors, unlearning ways we block things, unlearning unconsciousness. And underneath that, a treasure is really waiting. So that, that's a short definition 
of necessary relinquishment. <laughs> well, we have we have uh, only uh, about a minute and a half left, and since you mentioned treasures, um, <laughs> I understand you you have some gifts for our listeners. Tell us. Uh, I absolutely do. I do not ever like to do anything without offering, and so. Um, I have pulled some uh, free chapters from my book, some beautiful meditations, um, and um, a course on compassion, a whole course on it, that I want to offer all of you as a gift with my love and in honor of Phil. And um, if you go to barbaradeangelis.com forward slash gifts from Barbara, barbaradeangelis.com forward slash gifts from Barbara, um, you should be able to go to that page, and it will be up with all kinds of things. You just can click the links and receive those things. If that's too complicated for you, you can just write Barbara at com and say, hey, where are my free gifts? <laughs> <laughs> I heard you, and um, we will get them to you that way. And um, I think you're going to really like everything that I'm offering. They're just there to support you. Um, on your path so you can rise higher and experience the freedom and fulfillment in this life that you deserve. Thank you, Barbara. I can't think of uh, anything the world needs uh, more than more capacity for love and what you call courageous compassion in this time. And I hope all of you take advantage of, of what Barbara is offering and bring love out into the world, help us make it a better place. That's all the time we have for today. Be sure to join me next week when we'll uh, have another wise and wonderful guest. Meantime, you can find me on my website, philipgoldberg.com. Please read my books, especially the one this uh, show is based on, uh, Spiritual Practice for Crazy Times. Listen to my podcast where we have interviews with a few hundred people by now, including uh, Barbara a couple of times. And um, meantime, be well, be strong, be safe, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.